Thank you for tuning in to Journey Church's podcast. We're overjoyed to introduce you to our new sermon series, At the Movies. All movies tell a story, and every great story borrows from God's story. Due to licensing restrictions, you will hear cuts during part of the sermon where the movie is played. And today, we invite you to be our guest for the final installment of At the Movies. And I don't know what, uh, what line in that movie stuck out to you, but the one that really resonated with me was when uh, the narrator says, and the, and the enchantress realized that there was no love in his heart. There was no love in his heart. And that's what I want to talk about today, and that's what I want to share today. Because I do feel, I think every time you, you open up your Twitter account, anytime you look at the news, anytime you just kind of look around you, there are so many tragedies, so many travesties, so much trauma going on in the world today. And here's my belief. I believe that the foundational, fundamental root issue of so much of the pain and suffering we are seeing today is simply the fact that there is no love in people's hearts. I really do believe that. And, and, and believing that, I do believe that love is also now the solution to solve that problem, to solve it on a global scale, to solve it on a national scale, to solve it on a local scale, but also to solve it on a personal and interpersonal scale. Now, I do need to pre-qualify that word love because if our culture, if we learn anything from our culture, our culture has really diluted the term love. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we love our children, but we also love cheese. And like, we love God. I love God. Raise your hand if you love God. Amen. Raise your hand if you love these gas prices right now. Amen. We love God and we love these gas prices, you know. We love our families, yeah, but we also love fidget spinners. It's just a weird little thing. We, and so we love this and we love that and we have to be careful before we start treating our fidget spinners like family and our family like fidget spinners. And so, and so if someone takes one from us, we get all upset, we don't sleep. But if we lose someone in our family or if we get in a fight with someone in our family, it's okay, I'll just wait for the new one to come out. And I've learned in my life that there are two levels of love, really. There's a low level and there's a high level. At the lowest level of love is a love that charms you, makes you, oh, you looked at me. Oh. But at the highest level of love, there's a love that changes you. At the lowest level of love, there's a love that makes you feel good. You like my photo. At the highest level of love, there's a love that makes you better. At the lowest level of love, I look at my wife and I smile. Girl, you are fine. I love you. I love you. That's the lowest level of love, though. At the highest level of love, I look at my wife and I throw out the trash. At the, amen. She said, amen. I'll get to it, okay? I got to preach right now. Drop the mic. Uh, at the highest level of love, I look at my wife and I refuse to get close to other women. At the highest level of love, it challenges and it transforms me. And so what level of love are you living your life at? What level of love are you embracing? Because it might not, because we might fall in love with the wrong things. You know what I'm saying? And here's what I love about God. He gave us the perfect synonym of real love, and that's what I want to call it today, real love. And he gives us the synonym. He gives us the definition. He gives us how we can accomplish and how we can reach and attain that real love in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. It goes like this. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because, say it with me, God is love. I want to talk to you today on the topic that God is real love. God is Real love. And if so, God is the proper synonym for love, then I would like to revise my statement. I opened up this talk today by saying that the problem was that there was a lack of love in people's hearts. But if love is God, then what if the real problem is that there's a lack of God in people's hearts? 
That's what I believe. And I believe that when God gets real inside your heart, there is a love that overflows. But if God comes out of your heart, let me tell you, there is a curse that falls on humanity. When God comes out of your heart, when love comes out of your heart, the inner beast is released. And there are four areas of our lives that I see in the beast, four areas where this curse, this lack of love, this lack of God has really infiltrated uh, and poisoned. And the first is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. A lack of love results in selfishness. A lack of love results in selfishness. Did you see that? Did you see that? The, the, the very first thing the enchantress said about the beast was that he was selfish. She comes in and she has a rose and she's just looking for shelter. But the prince has a ton of roses. And since she has nothing to offer him, he rejects her. That's what selfishness is. It's what I can get and not what you have for me. In fact, selfishness is not just the root of the curse of the beast. Did you know that selfishness is actually the root of the curse of all humanity? You know, in Genesis, let's read Genesis again. At the beginning, when the earth was created perfect, and then Adam and Eve are standing at a tree, and the devil begins to offer uh, Eve some fruit. I want you to to, to think about what was going on in in, in Eve's mind. Go ahead and read this with me. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It goes like this. When the woman saw that the tree looked good, like good eating, and realized what? What she would get out of it. She took and ate the fruit. She didn't think about what it would do to you and me. She didn't think about what would happen to her husband. She didn't think about what would happen to the world in itself. The only thing she thought about was what she could get out of it. Anybody know somebody like that in your life? They live their life, and they don't even think about the consequences of the decisions that they make and how it'll affect other people. Amen? Anybody married to somebody like that? Just kidding. Don't don't say it. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. You could get away with this, though. Anybody sitting next to somebody like that? No, don't even do that. Here's where you got to bring it home, though, because here's what I believe. I don't believe this is just an Adam and Eve problem, a biblical, or a fantasy world problem. I think this is a you and me problem. Anybody ever done something like that? Just kind of gone out and just made a decision because it benefited you, even if it came at the cost of somebody else's, uh, somebody else's life. Uh, selfishness is, is, is in every single one of us. In fact, it's even in us as children. I'll never forget Justice's first four-letter word. Yeah, I was there. Wasn't the F one, and wasn't the... S1 or the B1 or whatever other ones you could think of, it was the M1. Yeah, he was hanging out with his, with his little brother. We had just brought his little brother home from the hospital. And, and, and the first day was awesome. He had this little tigger, and he actually walked over to, to Zane's crib, and he threw the tigger in the crib, and he threw the blanket, and he just gave it to his little brother. I was like, my son's going to change the world. He's going to revolutionize humanity. I have Jesus for a son. <laughs> and I, just, I was so amazed. The next day, they're, they're out in the living room playing, and, 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 and there's some toys, and it's his first time having to now share. And so he's looking at this, this little human here who wasn't here a day ago, taking some toys, and he goes, mine, mine. And I'm thinking, who taught you that? There is a demonic vocabulary. No, just, there is a, I don't know who taught him that. It wasn't me, or maybe it was. Just last week, my wife and I were having breakfast with the boys, and, 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 and there was some bacon. And everybody knows bacon at the breakfast table is like gold. It's like oil. You know, it's, a, it's high value, and there's not a ton of it. And so, and so we're at the table, and, 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 my, and Justice has ran out of his bacon, and now he's coming over to me trying to get all my bacon. And he's like, he's like, Dad, he's like, can I have some of your bacon? And he just came out of me. Just uh, I said, that's my bacon. You ate your bacon. That's my bacon. He looked all sad. My wife looked at me like, babe, there's more bacon in the fridge. 
And I looked at her like, then make it, girl. She said, she said, but this is what parents do. I said, no, this is what you do. You haven't understood this yet. You are a way better parent than me. You're better at this than me. For real, like three days ago, we were doing bedtime with our kids. And, you know, every parent knows this about their kid. For some reason, right before bedtime, they always get what? Water thirsty. I swear, one night I just, I said, drink your saliva. Okay, I yelled that out from the bedroom. So we're putting them to bed, and she's like, Zane is like, hey, uh, can I get a drink? I'm like, bro, you know the deal, Papa. You know the, it's too late. You got to ask to drink when you're downstairs. And then Liz is walking up. I'm like, all right, what you want? I was going to do it. I was going to do it. I was going to sacrifice. I was going to be selfless. But then he asked for chocolate milk, the one drink that actually requires work. I mean, that's the strength of a drink. The strength of a drink is that you open and you pour. He picked the one drink that requires effort. I said, no. You're going to bed. She heard him. She said, I'll make, I'll make the chocolate milk. I looked at him. I said, I want you to know something, Zane. Your mom loves you. I told him straight up. I said, because I would not have made you that chocolate milk. You need to know that right now. I did not have made you that chocolate milk. You got a great mom. She's a better parent than me. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, love cares more for others than self. You need to know that when God is inside of you, you begin to care more for other people than you do about yourself. I started to break down, how come Liz is a better parent than me? And I thought, you know what? It's be- maybe it's because she had justice inside of her for nine months. When God gets on the inside of you, there's a certain kind of love that ends up overflowing from you, that ends up splashing around on other people around you. And, and, and the reason why people are selfish is because there's no love in their hearts. They're empty. And so they need to grab onto other things to try to fill the emptiness inside of them. But when you got God's love inside of your heart, you're not operating from a position of emptiness. You're operating from a position of overflow. And when you've got more than enough, you got no option but to give. It's like eating. We go out to this restaurant. It's called Tibby's, New Orleans. Uh, we had some friends put us onto it. We love it. The thing about that restaurant is that the portions are so big. And that's the one restaurant where my wife and I go and we fight over who's going to finish the food. No, no, take some of mine. No, no, you take some of mine. No, no, you take some of mine. Why? Because when you got more than enough on your plate, you are dying to give it. Listen, you should have so much God inside of you, you are choking on the love of God. And if you try to keep it inside, you ought to be throwing up the love of God. This is what David said. He said, my cup overflows in the presence of my enemies. Jeremiah said, it's like a fire in my bones. I can't release it. I love what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. Look at it, the message version. And may the master pour on the love so it fills your lives and splashes over on everyone around you. You should be spilling over the love of God inside of you. That's why our very first core value at Journey Church is is we are contributors and not consumers because we are focused on the love of God. And you might ask, well, how do we get focused on the love of God? Look at Genesis. Look at Genesis. Yeah, I know there was a tree that, that that was the tree of knowledge of the fruit of good and evil, but did you know there was another tree? Genesis chapter two, verse three. Can we read it? Two verse eight. In the middle of the garden, there was two trees. See, we always look at the bad tree, but we don't know that right next to that tree was the tree of life. Now, there's some things you got to catch in this scripture to really understand the revelation of it. The first is that they were in the middle. Now, that's a bad place to put a temptation. How many people know that? If you want your kid to not eat the cookie, do not put the cookie in the middle of the living room because he will see that cookie everywhere he goes. And so you got one tree that symbolizes selfishness, and you got one tree that symbolizes everything that you can take. Why would God put that in the middle and try and tempt man every day of his life? Because he also planted right next to it the solution. 
You see, there was also the tree of life, and the tree of life had powers. We don't know too much about it, but in Revelations, it talks about the leaves having the power to heal. Who knows what the fruit did? Immortality was wrapped in that tree, and it was a gift. Hear me. There was two trees. There was a, a tree symbolizing everything in life that you can take, but there was also a tree symbolizing everything in life that God has given, and you could not. Ooh. And if you looked at one tree because they were next to each other and in the middle, you automatically had to look at the other. In other words, every time you looked at what you didn't have and what you don't have and what you could could take you also have to look at what God's given you and all the healing and all the life and all the blessing and it's his generosity and abundance that kills the poison of selfishness inside of us that's what I'm telling you that's why in two weeks we got 21 people going to Nicaragua because they got their eye on the tree you say what tree the tree of life is gone yeah but there was another tree 2,000 years ago on the hill called Calvary with a guy who is outstretched out named Jesus. It's that tree that I fix my eyes on when I begin to get selfish and think, oh, I've got more than I could ever want. He's loved me. That's why next Saturday we're leaving on July 15th with over 70 people in our community partnering with the Children's Cancer Foundation, partnering with New Hope for Kids, partnering with Harbor House, Coveted House, partnering with nonprofits because we want to let the world know we got enough on our plate. In fact, we got more than enough on our plate. Amen? Amen. Selfishness is the first, and we got to get rid of it. We got to get rid of it. The story continues. Uh, Bell's father uh, ends up going into the castle, and he gets caught uh, by the beast, and Bell tries to save him, and, and this is where we pick up uh, on our story. Poor Maurice, a life sentence for a flower. Can you imagine that? All he wanted to do was to pick a flower or bring it home to his daughter, and in response, he gets a life sentence. A little bit extreme, a little bit hardcore, probably, because here's my second point. A lack of love results in unforgiveness. Who have you locked up for a flower? Is it right to get a little personal? I, I, don't mind, I love the amens because it gets me excited, but the quiet also hits me too because that means, like, stop talking to me, preacher, because it hurts. Who have you locked up? For a flower. For a flower. Yeah, because, because here's, here's the deal. I don't think we have a problem with the concept of love. We got that. Jesus on the cross. Amen. I know what love looks like. I can love people. I can, I can buy people gifts and get people presents and compliment them on their hair and how well they smell. I, love, I got the concept of love. Amen. The concept of love is easy to grasp. You know what's the hardest thing to grasp? The consistency of love. Whew. That love is not Jesus died one time, but that he continues to die every time that we sin, every time we make a mistake. He throws himself on the cross, and every time you get on your knees and you say, Jesus, forgive me, he forgives you over and over and over and over again. Listen, love isn't just powerful, it's faithful. Yeah, because, because we'll love people until. Isn't that right? We'll love them until, uh, until they cut you. We'll love people until they, they leave a nasty comment on your social media. We'll love, we'll love people until they talk bad about us to other people, until they take something from us, until they hurt us. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is, I love you even though. I love you even when. I will love you no matter what. That is true love. That's the kind of love that keeps marriages together forever, a love that is built on a covenant and not a contract, a love that doesn't say, hey, if you do this, then I'll do that. It's the kind of love that says no matter what you do, I've committed to forgive every single mistake over and over and over because that's what Jesus did for me. Love is consistent. And I got to be honest, I have a problem with that because I'm really good at loving people until. And I'm really good at praying for people until. Yeah, if you do me the wrong way, I will love you and I will pray for you. 
But if you don't change, my prayers change. First thing I do, you hurt me. God, bless him. Bible says pray for your enemies, God. Bless my enemy right now. Father, I pray you send down blessings. If you haven't changed, my prayer evolves into reveal. God, reveal to them just how stupid they are, God. Just reveal to them just right now how dumb they are, God. Just reveal to them how much in sin they are, God. Let the blessing be the reveal, God. Just send someone a message. Just do it. But if you don't change then, the, the prayer is destroy, okay? The prayer is bless them, or reveal them, and then after that, God, if you're not going to send blessings, send fire, send hail, send stones, send something, Lord God. Send the IRS. Send something. Immigration. No, I'm just kidding. Send something. Send something. I'm tired of them doing me wrong. I want to get them back, right? There's that thing in us that's like, no, it's not just. Someone needs to pay. Well, who really pays with unforgiveness? Because sure, Maurice is locked up. But you know who else isn't getting out of that castle? The beast. In fact, when, when, when Belle looks at him and she says, uh, 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 a life sentence for a flower? You know what his response is? But I received eternal damnation for mine. In other words, Maurice isn't here because he took a flower. He's here because years ago someone took a flower of mine and I still haven't been able to get over it. And so now I'm going to lock you up. Listen, unforgiveness doesn't hurt the other person. Unforgiveness hurts you. Write this down if you're taking notes. Unforgiveness makes you hostage to your hurt and makes you the guardian of your growth. You're the guard and the hostage. You're stuck and you're keeping yourself in. I remember one time I had a pastor, loved him to death. He was one of the greatest preachers I had ever known, and, and I still know to this day. And a lot of his preaching style is in me, and I've learned so much from him. But I remember one day he did me wrong. He said something that was so hurtful. At that time, probably the most hurtful thing anyone has ever said to me. But I continued to stay in the church. You know, something crazy happened as I was in the church. I was no longer receiving from his word. The sermons that I thought were the best in the world, I couldn't receive anything from it. You know why? Because hurt and unforgiveness was keeping me hostage and also keeping me from growing. Here's what the Bible says. Look at this verse. This verse is so powerful. Proverbs 18, 19. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Look at this. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. Your unforgiveness is not just locking you up and keeping you prisoner in the same place. It's also keeping you from getting to the next level of faith, from getting to the next level of love, from getting to the next level of hope. There are areas in your life that God is waiting for you to graduate to, but we cannot get there unless we resolve and unless we let the prisoners go. Hear me today on behalf of God. God is asking you this morning to let some people out of their cell so that he can get you out of your castle. Why? Because he did it for us. He did it for us. Amen. The story continues. Belle's starting to kind of get warmed up in the castle, and I think she wants to help the beast. She kind of gets into some trouble. Belle wants to help the beast, but the beast doesn't want any of Belle's help. Why? Because a lack of love, listen, this is going to hit home, keeps people at a distance. A lot of people in here who, who, have, who have taken on the terminology of introvert, when there's a difference between a personality type and a person who's been hurt. You could be an introvert and, and, and welcome people into your life and open up to people. That, there's a difference between people, but the other person who says, no, I don't, I don't, just don't get too close. Don't get too close. I'll never forget the, one of the first youth pastors I ever had. 
I, ha- I had a meeting with him. And that's why you got to make sure, thank you for allowing me to be your pastor, but make sure that you get your advice from the word and make sure I'm preaching the word because sometimes people be giving advice that didn't come from the word, it comes from their experience. And truth is not, you can't allow experience to dictate your truth. You need to let truth dictate your experience. And, and this new pastor came up to me and he said, I told him because I, I was in a relationship. It was my first serious relationship. I was 14 years old. She cheated on me with some other guy. So I, we're in the car coming back from a service. He goes, you know what you need to do, JJ? I said, what do I need to do, pastor? He said, you need to have a cold heart. Because if you have a cold heart, no one can ever hurt you. I found out years later that he had just exited a relationship very similar to mine. A, a woman had done that to him, and he was just sharing with me what he got from that. So I went through my teenage years like that, keeping people at a distance until I learned this. You're right. If you keep people at a distance, they will never hurt you. But if you keep people at a distance, they also can never help you. And your, your desire and your need for help needs to be greater than your fear of hurt. You got to understand, and I don't know where you picked this up or where we picked this up as human beings, but, hey, we cannot do life alone. And we cannot live alone. And we cannot fix our problems alone. We can't do it. It, it, it doesn't matter what we think is happening. Uh, it doesn't matter how much we pray. And I'm going to say that even as a pastor, prayer is great. But sometimes prayer is not the delivery system for God to resolve the problems in your life. Matter of fact, here's what I've learned. Prayer is good, but oftentimes the number one delivery system for resolving your issues are people. Like if you pray for patience, I want you to know that in 30 seconds, God's not going to give you patience. If you go into your closet and you close the door and you're like, God, I just need some patience because I've been yelling lately at people. And you know what God's going to do to answer that question? He's going to send somebody to knock on that closet door. I need the closet. I need the closet. I need the closet. Will you get out of here? I'm praying for patience. Hear me out. God's delivery system for resolving your problem and developing your character is people. Yeah, yeah. You, listen, you can't do it. You, you, write this down. You can't fix you. I don't care how good you are. You, you smart. You kind. You funny. But you ain't enough. You ain't enough. You need to ask for help. But in order to ask for help, you need to humble yourself. Which is why it says in 1 Corinthians 13, love, love is not proud. Love is not proud. Whenever I tell people to get into a small group or get around community, I always get two answers. Oh, I don't want to get around around people. Why? I don't want people to know how bad I am. I don't want people to know how to judge me. And then the second answer is always, well, well, if I ask for help, that makes me weak. Can I just answer both of those real quick? If that's you, okay, let me just answer. You don't know how bad, they don't know how bad you are? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? You don't know how bad they are either. You get in a small group. People start sharing. You're going to sit there thinking, I'm doing pretty good. (laughs) Huh? I'm all right. I used to have a pastor. He'd tell me that. He goes, if you could only see the sins of those around you. Man, so what? You're not good? Let me tell you something about our church. Nobody here is good. That's why we come to church. We're here because if I had it all together, I I wouldn't be in church. I wouldn't be something I don't need. I'm here because I got issues and I got problems. And you can have the confidence that the person sitting next to you knows that they're broken. So when you share your brokenness and they share their brokenness, it's just some two broke people. 
getting together, and here's what we do in small group. Here's what we do. We don't, we don't give advice. We, we walk together. We, we walk with each other. Man, you too, me too. Let's pray together. God would help us both. And that second one, that second one, well, I don't want people to know how, how, how weak I am. It's a, it's a sign of weakness to ask for help. I don't know what man taught you that. Or maybe a single mother who did it all her own taught you that. But let me tell you something. The devil didn't get kicked out of heaven for feeling too weak. The devil got kicked out of heaven for feeling too strong. He thought he could do it without God. He thought he could do it without help. And God said, well, let me show you just how weak you are. Weakness is a weakness. Let me say this. Let me say this the right way. It's not that weakness is the strength. It's, it's the ability to admit you're weak that is a sign of strength. The ability to admit you're weak and that you cannot do it alone which is a sign of strength. And that's why we offer help here. Every week we offer help, and you need to know this. We say this every Sunday, but I'm going to say it again. We offer next steps. It's happening right after this class. I'm going to be there teaching. We're going to have some other people there teaching. It's going to help you grow in your walk with Christ. We offer the dream team, a community of people serving with yourselves every Sunday morning. Dream team, make some noise if you're here on our guest services, parking. All these amazing volunteers. And listen, they don't just come here to, to set up banners and open doors for people. They come here to do life with their friends, with their family. It's a pleasure to come in here and make popcorn with David and Janelle and, and see all these different people and, and, and Daryl and Olga and all these people who are helping people to their seats. It's a joy to be able to do life with friends. And also we got small groups and, and our semester's ending next week, but in the fall we're going to pick it up again. Get in community because here's what Ecclesiastes 4.9.10 says. Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the fool. I can't say pity without saying the fool. I just can't. But pity the fool. Who falls in what? And what? And what? And what? Notice that it doesn't say who if he falls. Because the question is not if you will fall. The question is when you fall, will someone be there to help you up? That's the question. Is there anyone in your life like that? If not, I want you to know that this church is a safe place, and I need to say that knowing that you have been hurt before. I need to say that knowing that someone has betrayed your trust and has done it under the guise of a man or a woman or God, and I've been there too, and I just want you to know, without knocking any other church or any other pastor, we love every church and every pastor. Yeah, we love it. I just want you to know I can't talk about anyone else, but here at Journey Church, this is a safe place, and we will protect you, and we will love you, and we will care for you, and we will guide you, and we will walk with you. Back home to God. Amen? Come on, make, the, make some noise for Jesus Christ. And we there gotta... is no one. There is no one. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. A lack of love doubts that things can change. Maybe you're not married. You're still not married. Maybe you're married and you're still having issues. Maybe you're still carrying that addiction. Maybe you still haven't graduated. Maybe you still have that learning disability. Maybe you still have cancer. Maybe you still have ADD. Maybe... Um, you're still struggling with your finances. Maybe you still don't have that home you always wanted. Um, I, I, and now the devil's starting to sneak in. And he's starting to lie to you. And he's saying, you will never be free and you will always have that problem. And I want you to, the next time the enemy tells you that, listen, because here's what the Bible says. Love always hopes. First Corinthians chapter 13, 7. Love always hopes. And here's what you need to do because the love of God is inside your heart. You need to never give up hope. And you need to exchange those always that the devil throws at you for a different always. And exchange that never that the devil throws at you for a different never. And so when he says, when he says you, will, you will never be free, you need to respond, I will never give up. When he says, you will always have this thing in your life, you need to respond and say, I will always have hope. 
That is my always and that is my never. I will never give up and I will always have hope because of who lives inside of me. Now, some people reject hope because they feel that hope and reality live in two different worlds. Some people are really cynical at people who have hope. They look at them and they say, you are, you're not even real. Like, you just live in this fantasy world where, like, where, like butterflies, like, like, throw up rainbows and, like, unicorns exist. And, like, you have this hope, but this hope is not real. And I want you to let you know that hope is powerful, not aside from reality, but within reality. Hope is its, hope is its most powerful. For, for Psalms, Psalms says this. Psalms 121, we don't have it on the screen, but it says, I lift my eyes up to the hill. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. If he's lifting his eyes up to the hills, that means that he's in a valley. You can be in the valley accepting and understanding that life is not good right now and still in the valley keep your head up looking for your redeemer and your savior to come riding on his horse to pull you out of that. And so if you're in the valley today, don't eliminate hope. Don't put hope in another world. Have hope in the valley. Keep your head up. And and you can write this down and let this be something that you tattoo on your heart. Just because it's always been this way doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. you got to believe that yesterday was bad, but tomorrow's going to be better. It's going to be great. The best is yet to come. And this is the last clip of the movie. Uh, And if you have been around Disney movies at any portion of your life, you know how the movie ends. Um, And it's a great story of redemption. So here is my my one beef with Disney movies, all Disney movies. Now, I, I, like to, I like to separate, usually fall into two categories here when it comes to relationships, married or single. Where are the single people at? Can I see you? Raise your hand. You're single here. Yeah. With pride. Every time I say it, it's so depressing. Like, why are you depressed? Jesus was single. It was awesome. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're a single woman here. Let me tell you right now, do not buy the lie in the Disney movies. If you are dating a beast, a kiss will not turn him into a prince. Now I need to say that because there's some people on the verge of getting into a marriage that are thinking, well, I can change him. I can change him. I got it. He he never seen nobody like me. When when I'm at that altar, I lay down that kiss. Do you take him for the rest of your life? Don't work like that. Your love can't rescue him. But there is a love that can rescue him. And not a love that is sealed with a kiss, but a love that has been sealed with a cross. Yeah, see, because I can kiss you with, 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 with ulterior motivations. I can kiss you for me, but if I, if I die for you, the only reason I would ever get on a cross is for you. And it wasn't the kiss, the, be- the, bell, the kiss between Bell and the beast that, that, sh- that transformed him, but it was the fact that Bell was willing to give up her life for him and that the beast was willing to give up his life for her. Listen, it is selfless love that can save the world. It is selfless love that can save your world. It is selfless love that can save your predicament. It is selfless love that can redeem you and transform you and redeem yeah. and transform the people around you. A selfless love, a God-first love, a real love. I was in Minnesota three weeks ago preaching at a youth camp, and this youth pastor was telling me about how awesome his small groups were going. And he said, I need to tell you this one story. We had this one small group leader. I'm telling you, get in small groups or be a small group leader. He said, we had this one small group leader who went to the, it was a student small group. So, so my student ministry people, I know you're there, uh, Journey students. He said, uh, she, she, she went to the softball game of one of her students, and that girl's father was in, the, was in the bleachers. And she started cheering for her girl, Sarah, Sarah. And then some people from the small group started coming too, Sarah, Sarah. The father got out of the stands and said, excuse me, who are you? 
say, oh, my name's so-and-so. I'm from so-and-so church. And uh, we're just here cheering on Sarah. He said, how do you know Sarah? Sarah's in my small group. He said, well, Sarah's my daughter. He said, well, we love Sarah. He said, his response, he said, how much are you getting paid for this? She said, nothing. Uh, I'm a volunteer. I just love Sarah. He said, so you're telling me there's nothing in this for you? Nah. I don't think I even get extra points in heaven. I just love Sarah. He said, what church do you go to? True story. Within four months, that father decided to follow Christ, got baptized, and was on their volunteer team. And what changed his life? What changed his life? Sounds a lot like 1 John 4, 19. We love. Why? Because he first loved us. We love. So now we can be selfless because he first loved us. Now we can forgive others because he first loved us. Now we can be humble and don't have to be proud because he first loved us. And now we can have hope because he first loved us. We were the beast. But his love set us free. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this installment of At The Movies. We'd love to hear how this ministry is impacting your life. If you have any prayer requests or would like to share your testimony, please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. Our team will be ready to celebrate and pray with you. If God is using this ministry to bless you in any way, you can help us spread the word by making an investment today. You can give at journeyorl.com forward slash give or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again. Have a blessed week.